the worship guide and you can see all the points there for the sermon notes. A few weeks back, Steve Sandelman came by the, the church building and he gave me a letter. The letter was written in July of 1982. It was handwritten. It's all in cursive. And it's on mimeographed sheets. And it was a history of heritage up till July of 1982. So the person tells all kinds of very intriguing stories. Like, for example, did you know Heritage actually existed before 1917, before we had built the building on 25th and Chartel, and our church building was, are you ready? Was a tabernacle, was a tent with a sawdust floor. Right? I knew there was a Pentecostal strain in us, you know. And so it tells the story of how the church just grew and it was had 200 members and it was had built this building on, on 25th and Chartel. And, um, and then it says Oklahoma City moved and everything began to move up this way. And so 25th and Chartel, the church building there began to be just left in a region of Oklahoma City that was only older people and transients and all the younger folks left the area and then there was death and people died. There was also um, something that happened that gave birth to Knox Orthodox Presbyterian Church out of heritage. That was interesting. But the church began to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and got down to 13 people. 13 people. And 13 people who persisted. 13 people who pushed on and prayed and prayed incessantly. At one point, there were voices in the presbytery that wanted to shut the church down because it was on its last leg and it's on the way out. We just need to shut it down, cut our costs and run. But those people persisted and prayed and prayed and prayed. And what was really cool was that other ministers from other Presbyterian denominations used, would rally around and help us out. We used to get help constantly from Minko, First Reformed Presbyterian Church at Minko, which is where Wes is preaching today, down in Minko. But it still just lingered. Thirteen people who pushed on, pushed on, and prayed. And then the moment came in the 1970s. Some of you lived in this moment. When God used a whole host of things and Steve Childers and brought the church, the church came back full-fledged, 200 people, but now with a building falling down around their heads, the brick wall that fell over. I'm looking at Denise over here. The brick wall that fell over and so forth. And so they created this church where we're at now. That's how we got here. What's intriguing to me is the story. How persistent our forebears, our forebears were in praying and persisting. I think that's really helpful. And so Jabez's prayer right here as we move into 1 Chronicles 4, especially focus on verse 9 and 10, Jabez's prayer has something to say to this history I just rehearsed to you and has something to say to our future. So let's jump in. So first of all, I want you to notice the evaluation. It was the moment as I'm reading the genealogy that should have caught your attention. You know, it just, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And you'll notice it was out of the blue. It's from nowhere. We don't even know how Jabez is related to Judah. There's no list of his family, right? There's nothing around it to tell you how he's related, but he's somehow part of Judah and it just comes out of nowhere. It's almost head jerking, like when you drive down the interstate and you see an accident on the side of the road, you know, and sometimes you want to go, and you don't want to do that because then your car goes the other direction, and then you're a statistic, right? 
but it's almost head jerky. Here's the, here's the editor, the writer of 1 Chronicles rehashing the lineage, the genealogy of Judah with a nearly hypnotic statement. The son of, the son of, the son of, he fathered, he fathered, he fathered. The son of, the son of, the son of. And then, wham! Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Well, why here and why now? Well, first off, it grabs your attention just as you are about to drift off into dreamy, mind-numbing realms. Let's just be honest. The genealogies do that to us. But secondly, it sets these two verses off with flashing neon lights. The editor took the time and the trouble to put it right here to set it apart. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. But there's something more happening here. As good classic Protestants and Presbyterians, we believe that the writer is inspired. The writer of 1 Chronicles is inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who is leading us into all truth. And so when the editor writes that first line, and Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, you are hearing the Holy Spirit's evaluation of Jabez. You are hearing God's own analysis of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Further, we have a slightly unique word here for honor. There's a normal Hebrew word. Remember, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. There's a normal Hebrew word or two for honor, like chayil, which is the way Boaz is called, and Ruth, and so forth. This is a different word. It's a word that is often translated as glory, or can be translated as heavy, heavy and glory, kavod. You hear it in Isaiah 6. You know, when Isaiah was in the temple and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, his train filled the temple, and then he heard the seraphim, the fiery angels, and what were they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory. That's the word used for honorable here. Your kavod, your heavy honor. And so Jabez was honorable. Jabez was brilliantly and beautifully honorable. He was heavy with bright honor. In fact, notice the way it puts it. He was more honorable than his siblings, his brothers, maybe those in his own house, but in Middle Eastern talk and Aramaic and Hebrew, brother can actually be bigger than that. So also more honorable than even maybe his uncles and cousins and nephews. But then in the context of a long genealogy, more honorable than his fellow citizen brothers, his fellow Judahites. It was more honorable than his brothers. This is a guy that God wants his people to take notice of and learn from. Especially when you remember when First and Second Chronicles is written, it's written as God's people have been in exile for centuries and they're coming out now from underneath the thuggish rule of pagan countries and they would have forgotten who they were. They would have forgotten much of who God is. And so God makes sure that they hear this. Look. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. You need to know that as you come out of exile and come back into the promised land. This is good news for you, Jabez. 
was more honorable than his brothers. But before we find out what made Jabez honorable, the writer gives us a very painful environment that sets up a dark backdrop that makes Jabez's honor shine out even more. So notice the environment. It's the rest of verse 9. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. In the Hebrew, there's a play on the word pain, which is obets, and yabets is Jabez, right? It's a play on the word. It'd be almost as if his mom were American, and she decided to play on the word pain, P-A-Y-N-E, the name, and pain, P-A-I-N, like something like this. I'll call him pain since he caused me so much pain. Does that make sense? That's the play on the word here. His mother called his name pain, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, oftentimes, parents name their children for some events or family heritage, like in our family. Thankfully, nobody is remembered as O.F. Philibert, right? Oral Floyd Philibert. That was my grandfather. But we all picked up Wayne or Michael, and so there's lots of kids and grandkids around called Wayne and Michael. So that's a great family heritage name. At least I think so. And I'm a little prejudiced, okay? But notice there's something darker in this sentence. And you know that it's darker because it's going to come out at the end of Jabez's prayer. Notice that Jabez's mother erected, if you will, a heavy granite monument and chiseled into it to memorialize her pain. And then she had her boy carry it around all his life. Now, if mama survived the painful birth, one can only imagine because childbirth is tenuous, if you didn't know that. If she survived the painful birth, we could imagine how things might have gone in later years when the boy was older and he didn't take out the trash like she told him to. Or she didn't help, he didn't help her wash the dishes like she wanted him to. Or he didn't do his laundry. You could just almost imagine that discussion. It would have been a monologue, not a discussion. Boy, you caused me pain when I carried you around those nine months. And then you right nearly killed me, hurting me from the inside out when I gave birth to you. And now here you are, causing me a load of more pain. Pain. We laugh. I have actually heard parents do that. She made him carry around the monument of her grief and her pain. All of his days. However it worked out, she succeeded in making him lug around the monument of her grief. And my friends, that kind of thing grinds on a soul. It scars and it mars a mind. It's a dark and drowning environment. Now why would the editor want this story and that dark environment listed here as he's writing to people coming out of exile? Because it's their experience. As God's people would have felt for hundreds of years under pagan rule. They had a name. Loser! That was their name. Defeated! That was their name. They heard it 
generation after generation from their conquerors. They were beat down verbally, emotionally, and maybe physically. They would have lived in that environment just like Jews in the 1930s and 40s in Nazi Germany had to wear their yellow star with Yehuda. Is that how you pronounce it? Yehuda, whatever it was on there. Because it was to set them out so they could be shamed. And that became the name. They were shamed with that name. It's exactly what God's people needed to hear. Here was a fellow who knew, who, who is a model, if you will, of their experience. My friends, that kind of denominating, name-calling, can become life-shaping and crushing. But then, Mr. More Honorable Than His Brothers, Jabez, shows us a bright honor, shows us his bright honor with his invocation. This is our third point, if you're following along. His invocation is most of verse 10. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit-guided editor wants God's people to know and do. And so it's most of verse 10 here. This is the only, I want you to notice this, this is the only honorable thing Jabez does that he's remembered for. This is the only honorable thing Jabez does that he's remembered for. Let that percolate in your soul for a bit. The only honorable thing Jabez is remembered for is this invocation, his prayer. His invocation is exhibit A of his brilliant honor. And that becomes a big theme all the way through 1st and 2nd Chronicles. When you start noticing the number of times faith-filled, faithful prayer keep burbling to the surface, Jabez gets the prime honor of starting out that whole theme in chapter 4. Jabez's prayer, his invocation, has three aspects. First off, faith and boldness. Notice how he begins, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. Notice how it begins. He called upon the God of whom? Israel. And who, what God is that? Yeah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who actually sets his captive people free. Now put this in its context. Would that not be like good news reminder to people coming out of exile at this point? Here's the God who set his captive people free. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Notice that Jabez's prayer is to the faithful, freeing God. That's pretty big. This begins then to, if you will, to open up for us what we'll hear hundreds of years later in 2 Chronicles 2020. Put your glasses on, 2020. 2 Chronicles 2020, when good King Jehoshaphat will say, Believe in Yahweh your God and you will, you will benefit, you will prosper. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Believe in Yahweh your God, the freeing God, the God of Israel. And there's where his prayer begins. He prays to the God of Israel. It's the very thing that God's people coming out of exile need to reclaim them, need to revive them, need to reform them, need to return them. To come back to the God of Israel, the faithful, freeing God. And then so Jabez starts praying and 
He prays and asks for blessed blessing. It's just the way it is in the Hebrew. It's blessed, the word blessing twice. It's just the way that Hebrews and, and Middle Easterners would emphasize a word. And so he prays. And some of your translations will translate it this way. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Right? Oh, give me blessed blessing. Now, we hear that as Americans, and we go somewhere we shouldn't go with that. So let me tell you what the Bible wants us to think of when we think of blessing. Blessing in the Hebrew Scriptures more often than not has to do with God's promise to Abraham. When God called Abraham, Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, and I think about how this would fit in with people coming back out of exile. When God called Abram out of Ur of Chaldees, he says, I'm going to take you to a place you don't know. I'm bringing you to a new place. I'm bringing you home. And then he says, and while you're there, I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And then he says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then in chapter 22 and verse 18, uh, there's a story there, but I'm just going to get right to the verse. He says to Abraham at this point, he says, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. When Jabez is praying, oh, that you would bless me with blessing, he is praying a kingdom prayer. He is praying about God's world rescue operation. And that becomes very clear or clearer. When you get to the next part of the prayer, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders or my territory, whatever your translation has. And we often think of that as, make me fat, dumb, and happy, would you? But that's not Jabez's prayer. See, Jabez lived at the time of the judges, if you know that story. And so there's, they're in the promised land, God's kingdom. And there's lots of promised land that's still unclaimed. There's lots of space there. And so when you realize that, then when you listen to Jabez's prayer, you realize what he's asking for. Oh, that you would make me part, even more part of your Abrahamic blessing that will bless the nations of the earth. That you would actually enlarge my place in your kingdom. Would you enlarge my place in your kingdom? That's his prayer. It's a kingdom expansion prayer. That's a pretty big deal. And so Jabez is praying for more of the kingdom. And the exiles returning home would need to be reminded of this. Need to be challenged of this. Look, I do this when, I was, well, when our kids were younger. And maybe some of you parents do this too, and I hope somebody does. But when our kids would get ready to go out with their friends, I would always say to them, remember who you are, whose you are, and why you are. Remember who you are, whose you are, and why you are. While you're out there doing these things, remember who you are, whose you are, and why you are. And that's what Jabez, that's what these people coming out of exile need. They need to hear this story to remember again who God made them to be and who, why he made them to be. And so the story is to reclaim them, to return them to their calling. It's a true historical story. But the editor didn't have to put it in. 
but he did because it was important. It was gospel to them. And my friends, you and I, we too have been promised something similar. You heard it in the call to worship. Our Lord Jesus said in John 14, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Well, how could it be greater than what Jesus did? Because he served in one geographical location right there in a sliver of land on the east side of of the Mediterranean Sea in Palestine. And those who believe in him are part of then what he launched, his world rescue operation. And so that's why he goes on to say, because I have been lifted up to the Father. Right, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes me, The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So Ascension Sunday, by the way, is next week, and there you already have your first pre-installment of that. Because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. We've been promised the very thing that Jabez is actually working on here. We've been promised not that God will give us a $500,000 Bentley or a $3 million mansion. We've been promised that as we pray to be part of his world rescue operations expansion, we'll hear in heaven, amen, Father. And it will happen. That's the promise. And so then notice that Jabez gets right to the heart of his own place in the kingdom. And it's that middle portion of the prayer. And that your hand would be with me. And that your hand would be with me. Oh, bless me and enlarge my borders and that your hand would be with me. My friends, without that part of the prayer, oh, that your hand would be with me. Without that part of the prayer, then all of the give me more of your kingdom part of the prayer would be impossible to sustain. It would be impossible to sustain. And so Jabez's kingdom prayer, which is what the returnees needed to hear and be doing themselves and praying, is something like this. Oh, make me more part of your blessing all of the families and the nations of the earth to enlarge my area of influence within your kingdom. But oh, 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 please, please, Keep your hand on me to guide me, to restrain me, and to enrich me. And if it doesn't, if you don't, it will all go to pot. That middle part is crucial. That your hand would be with me. And finally, he gets down to himself and he gets down to his condition and the load that he's been bearing since his mother engraved that monument of her grief and pain and threw it on his back. And it's that last line of the prayer. And that you would keep me from harm, obets, so that it might not bring me pain, obets. That you would keep me from my namesake. That it would not bring me pain or I would not cause pain, depending on your translation. It's here at that moment in the prayer that Jabez's mother truly, you see that she truly burdened him. She weighed him down with her moment of grief and trauma. But notice that he prays. And what does he pray? He prays something like this. Oh, set me free from the hostage situation my mom put in me, put me in. Save me and set me free from those futile ways inherited from my parents. 
What Jabez is crying out for is a new denominator, a name, a new denominator, a new direction, and a new destiny. No longer pain, Lord. No longer pain, but blessing. And notice then that Jabez is a model. He's a model for God's people who are returning to the God of the people. To reclaim them and reform them. I mean, what would you do if you had been multi-generationally enslaved and beaten down verbally and economically and educationally and and under a tyrannical country and now you're going to come out of there? What would you do? You would do like most people do. You'd wallow in your misery. You would would crawl around in the, the, the stickiness of your victimhood. But Jabez is a model to them instead of wallowing around in your past. Jabez is modeling how God's people are to be praying to move onward, to move upward, and to move outward. Jabez is passionately, with the very thing these people need to be doing... Jabez is passionately calling out to the liberating one, the one who said, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The faithful, freeing God. You too, my friends. Christians with far greater certainty and confidence can do the same. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. How are you ransomed? Not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You can pray. Lord, set me free from this past that is controlling my destiny. And you hear God's amen in Jesus. Jabez became a bright light on a bleak canvas because his prayer was was drenched with faith in the faithful, freeing God. His prayer was not drenched with faith in faith. His prayer was not drenched with faith in technique. His faith was drenched with faith in the faithful, freeing God. Truly, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And then comes the divine exclamation point, the divine endorsement. And it's the last sentence there. It's the last sentence of verse 10. And God did what? Granted what? He asked. The divine exclamation point. If God has already told you at the beginning of this story, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and then he ends this prayer with that reminder, and God granted his request or what he asked, you know, hmm, probably need to sit up and take a lot of notice of Jabez and his prayer. God granted what he asked. He granted his requests. Well, which ones? All of them. 
the kingdom enlarging request, the sustain me as I do this request, the set me free from this load and heavy weight that is crushing me plea. And God granted what he asked. And that's exactly what those coming out of exile needed to hear. And my friends, let me just hopefully pop a few circuits here, but notice then that God answered his prayer then, and God is still answering his prayer now, 3,000 years later. God is still answering his prayer now, 3,000 years later. Well, pastor, how can you say that? Did you not stumble across Jabez in our Bible reading today? Did it not bless you? I mean, did it? I mean, you know what I'm saying? God is still answering Jabez's prayer. Even God's endorsement holds Jabez out as a first place praying man who was more honorable than his brothers. And my friends, as you look at this prayer, three things before we even get close to tidying things up. So don't wait for applications yet. First off, Jabez is a prototype of our Lord Jesus who was numbered with the transgressors, who bore our stripes for us by whose stripes we are healed, who carried the weight of our sin that was not his sin, who cried out on Golgotha, Eloi, Eloi, lama samakthani. He became the greater Jabez, the one who carried a far heavier weight of pain. Why? To set his people free. When you look at Jabez, you need to look beyond Jabez to the greater than Jabez. Because like, you know, Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jabez is a prototype of our Lord Jesus. But notice further that Jabez, no longer is Jabez a pain. Now as you read his story, again the prayer is being answered. He's no longer a pain. He is a long-standing channel of blessing to you. Of lifting you up out of your own drudgery and your own decimation to look up and start having faith in the faithful, freeing God. And Jabez is a positive example of the very thing that you will hear when you get to 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked way, then I will, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Jabez is a positive example of that very thing in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It's the very word, the very word of the Lord that the defeated, the decimated, the demoralized people of God must hear. And God granted what he asked. Well, now let me come to a conclusion. As I try to dock this boat. The people returning from captivity would likely have resonated with something that Eugene Peterson wrote back, I think at the end of the 1980s, early 1990s, in a book called 
leap over a wall. This is what he said. The streets of our cities and the pews of our churches are crowded these days with emaciated men and plastic women. There are too many limp souls. Notice that the Spirit-inspired editor wants them and he wants us to follow Jabez's line of sight as Jabez is pointing in his prayer toward the liberating God who sets us free from our house of bondage in his son Jesus. Wants us to follow Jabez's line of sight to the God who takes limp souls and can make them what they aren't at present. To follow his line of sight to the God who takes limp souls that are burdened with a heavy past. A past that sometimes may feel fatalistic and deterministic and reshapes them. God granted what he asked. To be a God-seeking people at all costs. It's there you will find the stamina, the stability, and the ability to carry on even when you feel limp-souled, wounded, discouraged, and discredited. And more, thinking of Jabez, discouragement, disappointment, and despair should not characterize us. Instead, we must begin to expect with holy anticipation the unimaginable in our praying. I mean, God answered Jabez's prayer in ways he had no idea was coming. What? People going to be blessed by me and remember me for good things 3,000 years from now? What are you talking about? God can answer and he does answer our prayers in ways that are unimaginable. If you don't believe me, then go back and read the New Testament passage in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And dear friends, we of all people can come with holy anticipation and prayer Knowing that our praying is accepted through whom? Through Jesus Christ, who continues ever and has an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able to save part way, a smidgen of the way. Somebody said it, I heard it, to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him, seeing he always lives to make intercession for them. And my friends, what about this congregation? What about this congregation? How fitting to allow this kingdom expansion prayer to shape our prayer for this congregation. And even the larger church. I love the way that Harry Reeder, who's a PCA pastor, wrote a book called From Embers to a Flame. Some of you know Harry Reeder. He wrote this about 30, 40 years ago, as Harry Reeder put it. This quote is in your sermon notes. Tell me it's in your sermon notes. I thought I put it in there. Okay, it is in there. Good. He said this. You may be in a church that seems to have everything going against it. Pain and difficulty in the past. 
a wicked culture around you and seemingly grim prospects for the future. But God blessed Jabez and he is able to bless you if you will ask him to do so through biblical, faithful prayer. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mom called his name Pain, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez prayed to the liberating God, the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from harm, from pain, so that I may not cause pain. And God granted his request. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you confessing to you that we would probably, in our good days, confess to you that we are the limp-souled people. Emaciated men and plastic women. How good to hear the story of Jabez. And to be reminded, here is exhibit A of what made him honorable. And that's your own evaluation of him. And it was his prayer, his faith-filled prayer. His prayer not to get things necessarily or to just become more important and more powerful, but that he may be part of your world rescue operation in new ways and that he would have a new denominator, a new direction, and a new destiny. And that you would always be with him. And so, Lord, we come to you with the same desire. We've been called a lot of things over the last few years, both as Christians and as a church and as individuals. Do not let that name be our destiny. May it always be Jesus Christ, our Lord, with you as our Father. And so, Lord, do bless us. Enlarge our borders. May your hand always be with us. And do keep us from pain that we may not cause pain. In Jesus' name, amen.